this week on The Startup Life. And so the reason that I'm so confident that I can drive those types of results for folks is I'm not just throwing people into a course and saying, all right, you know, there it is I, you know, for the best. I actually right. come along and I do three things. All right, Startup Nation. So let's take flight with Lee Blue, founder of DoubleStack.net. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the Labor Yourself, Make Your Own Look, and Making Money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We got a special guest in the building. He's on his on this side of the microphone for a podcast for the first time. We got Mr. Lee Blue out of Virginia. What's going on, Lee? Uh, not too much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. No worries, no worries. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? I would love to. This is going to be great. Awesome. Let's do it. So, Lee, first things first, man. Tell us your story on your path to entrepreneurship and tell us a little bit about DoubleStack. Okay, sure. Yeah, so this is a this is a really fun thing to talk about because I actually graduated from college with a degree in computer science and went straight into like this really high-tech position. I was doing bioterrorism surveillance for the United States government. And while I was doing that, it's an interesting thing because I started to uh, you know, have some more entrepreneurial thoughts going on. And at the same time, my wife and I were having like our first baby. And that was really cool because the baby was born. I was able to figure out how to work from home a little bit from my job and everything was going great. But the interesting thing was that uh, every, everything in the house began to get kind of noisy in mm. the sense that you know people were coming to the house and visiting the baby and the baby was crying. My wife is home now. And and I wanted to say I'm too. And so I actually started shopping around for these like noise reduction headphones. Okay. And, like I got all the different ones you can think of, right? Like the Bose ones, Sennheiser, Audio-Technica. I came across this guy's site. His name was John, lives in Missouri. And he had this like mess of a website. And, uh, mm. but he had these really interesting looking headphones on it. Like they're kind of bulky, like the, the headphones that you might think of as maybe what you would wear if you're gonna like <laughs> run a chainsaw or something, but right. he built into it these really high quality studio speakers and so i, I bought the headphones kind of reluctantly because you know the website was one of those black sites with like the twinkling stars and this is back around like 2005 for sure and, uh, and so anyway so i got these headphones and they were really really nice so i contacted john and, and told him the story like i just just told you about how i have all these other headphones here but his were blocking more sound and, and worked really well for being able to kind of work from home and could I help him, you know, update his website because it was just a mess. Well, at the time, he didn't really care too much about the website because he was selling all the headphones through a music catalog. Okay. And um, he said, well, I'll tell you what we can do. If you want to build a website, then, you know, you can just you know buy these headphones from me at like a wholesale rate. And then you sell the headphones off your own website. <laughs> so that's actually what we did. So mm -hmm. I started ordering these crates of like boxes to like, I think 26 or 25 came in a box. 
And okay. uh, so we had these crates of headphones coming. I was storing them up in the attic and you know, my, my wife was helping me ship them through FedEx and everything when people <laughs> were buying them. And, uh, and it really, that was an interesting thing because that's where I first got into WordPress and how to like build websites for like, you know, small businesses and because yeah, I needed to do it for myself. I built an e-commerce plugin and to, to be able to sell the, the headphones through right. the website and everything. And that really started things off and people started wanting to yeah, kind of use my plugin to sell stuff on their sites. And the next thing I know, I'm kind of getting into, you know, more and more of the arena of entrepreneurs and web designers and people that work with WordPress and, and build websites for, their, for themselves and their clients. And that really kicked things off to the point where I, I was able to actually, you know, quit my job as, you know, the guy that was doing all this kind of, you know, high tech work and actually start doing, you know, web design work and web consulting for all kinds of startup businesses. And that kind of what is what kind of kicked me into it. So, uh, so yeah, does that kind of get to the, get to the point? No, it absolutely does, man. I, I was going to ask about that a little bit later about the computer science degree and stuff like that. Cause I was curious, you know, how you got into web design or something like that, like what steered you in that direction. So no, that, that definitely comes up for sure. But I want, I do want to ask a quick follow-up question because you mentioned something that like, that's just too interesting to pass up. So you okay. talked about doing some work about, you know, in a bioterrorism surveillance, man. You got to tell me a little bit about that, man. That sounds exciting. <laughs> it, it sounds a lot more exciting than it probably actually was. Okay. So, uh, basically, the idea was, was, do you remember back when there was like, like the avian bird flu and anthrax oh, and stuff like that was kind of going around? Yes. It was, uh, that was around the same time. And basically what my job was, was I was analyzing the emergency health records from a bunch of different hospitals up and down the East Coast. And if there were any sort of anomalies, like say for example, New York City, everybody starts having some sort of a respiratory problem that's outside of the range of what they normally do, then I could trigger flags and can kind of send that up to, hey, you know, maybe there's something going on. And, uh, and so that was kind of the idea to try to like in batch, take all of the emergency medical reports that came from all the hospitals on a nightly basis and then analyze them programmatically to figure out if everything was kind of in line with what you know, the problems people normally have gotcha. or if there's something crazy going on. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that, man. I appreciate that for sure. That, that, like I said, when I saw that in my research and then you mentioned it. So I was like, nah, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> ask this guy about that for sure. So no, I appreciate that for sure. Uh, so let me ask you this, man, cause you know, you've been building websites and showing people how to build websites and stuff for some time. And you kind of mentioned that uh, the guy you was working with, with the headphones had one of those, one of those very twinkle star in the sky type websites and stuff like that. So it wasn't that appealing. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this, man, what's the most fascinating thing that you have seen as far as like the evolution of website design from like the early nineties until now, like what's the most fascinating thing you, you've seen up until this point? Oh, that's a really interesting question. There's really been like three iterations of okay. where I can, where, where I can kind of like three distinct eras of web design. The oh, first nice. one, was um, like when I first kind of got into like shifting out of like the government work and more into building websites and connecting with local businesses and things like that. My first approach was to connect in with like ad agencies and like direct people that do direct mail and try to provide like an online component to what might traditionally be like an offline marketing campaign. And, um, and it was really hard to do. This is even like you know, WordPress wasn't really a thing. And like the people that worked at these ad agencies didn't really have like an in-house web team of any sort. And so what I would do is I would connect in with all of these different ad agencies, kind of local around Virginia and Richmond primarily. And, uh, and like when they were doing advertising for folks, they would then outsource the website part to me. 
And so that was pretty nice. cool because I could then like kind of hand code these websites and, you know, build different, like, like we did a lot of work with companies that were trying to get students to apply to go to college. And so, you know, they would send out all this paper mail, you know, trying to invite the students to apply. And if they wanted to apply online, then, you know, they could click a link and then type in this little code. And then the application would be partially filled out for them with like all the stuff that we knew about them up front. They didn't have to type in their name and address and, and the stuff that we knew, you know, prior to, uh, them actually filling out the app. And so there was just an online way to kind of do that. And it was kind of tricky and you needed a web guy to do that sort of stuff. Gotcha. And, uh, and so that was kind of phase one where okay. like I was just doing like web design work for kind of behind the scenes. Nobody really knew anything about who I was. I was just doing the technical implementation and the people that worked at the ad agencies, they were doing all the graphic stuff. So I didn't have to worry about graphic design. I just got that, turned it into a website. And that was phase one. Phase two was okay well now something like wordpress is out there where there's themes and mm. what began to happen was the ad agencies they would begin to train their graphic designers how to kind of build websites themselves and so that began to take a significant chunk of my business away because people were kind of building that in-house and they didn't really gotcha. need anybody to build a website because you could kind of point and click your way to a pretty good looking site but what they couldn't do is like if they needed to do something kind of like that multi-page form concept that we were talking about with the college applications, that was kind of hard. And, um, and like e-commerce was kind of hard. Like it wasn't, you know, you kind of needed to know how to deal with like payment security and stuff like that. And so um, yeah, the more complicated things began and, and also themes themselves, like there weren't very many good like web designs just kind of off the shelf. And so people would like make, you know, designs like in Photoshop or something like that. And then I would then convert that into like a WordPress theme or something. And so that's kind of phase two where, you know, like, like the more complicated stuff that still needed to be done kind of manually with somebody who had a, had an understanding of how to like write code and stuff. And, uh, gotcha. but still partnering up with these ad agencies and kind of helping them. And so I didn't really have to do too much with like client acquisition or anything. Cause the ad agencies would do all that. And so I was just kind of, you know, the technical implementer person. Right. And, that worked out really well because I was really good at it and they needed kind of more advanced stuff. So that kind of worked out pretty well, but they were still able to kind of maintain the site going forward because WordPress is there, the content management aspect of things was stuff that they could kind of do on their own. And so that's that sort of was like was phase two where now people are kind of more hands on, but still need help with kind of technical, harder to do kind of things. Right. And then what happened was phase three happened. And, and so WordPress became much more popular and, you know, I think right. it's running about a third of the internet now. Right. There's tons of WordPress themes out there so you can make your site look really awesome. There's page builders so that, you know, even graphic designers and people that don't know anything about code or whatever can build a really nice looking website. There's all kinds of e-commerce plugins. There's all kinds of form plugins. There's plugins to do pretty much everything. And, and so we've really shifted into this new thing. And this is, you asked what I thought was the most interesting. This is the most interesting because uh, on one hand, you would think, oh, well now, you know, the guy that used to do what I did, you know, kind of partnering up with ad agencies, taking overflow work or whatever. Well, now there's no job for him anymore. What are you supposed to do? But the reason that it's so interesting is I actually think the opportunity is now on the side of the person who is capable of doing all of the things. Like I would say you don't really need the full-blown ad agency anymore. And most, I mean, sometimes you do, of course, you know, depending mm -hmm. on you know how huge the client is or whatever. But for most local businesses that are trying to, you know, get more clients, increase their brand visibility, you know, have a have a you know a better online presence, not just with their website, but with Facebook and different kinds of digital marketing, 
you can do that almost entirely by yourself. In fact, pretty much entirely by yourself. Right. And I think that's really cool because all the stuff that used to be hard with like securing a website, you know, getting themes together, all the plugins that do the fancy stuff, the complicated stuff, all that's kind of sitting right there. You can do that, but you don't have to have the overhead of like a huge team of people to kind of make all that happen. And so, uh, so the end result is now a single person, like what I tend to help people do the most is, you know, somehow get to the point where an individual web design consultant, I usually call them business consultants that have the ability to do technical things too. That's right. kind of the double stack idea. You asked a little bit about double stack a minute ago. The double stack is there's the tech stack, there's the business development stack. Right. That's those two areas of focus. That's that's where the name came from. And if you've got those abilities, if you can do both of those two things, now you can do amazing stuff at significantly more affordable prices than a full-blown agency, but still drive fantastic results for your clients. And I think that's freaking exciting. That's really, really exciting because now instead of just building a website that doesn't really do anything that, you know, you kind of build the website and move on to the next client. I call that client hopping where okay. you just kind of go from client to client to client to client, you know, kind of doing what they say to do, but not actually getting them the results that they're looking for because you're not sticking with them. Like now you have the ability to kind of not only build out the online presence, but also come come to the table with like some leadership and some integrity and some confidence and to be able to to lift your clients to a level of success that they wouldn't be able to get had it not been for working with you that's the big difference that um, that I think is really exciting because you can legitimately drive huge results and you can, and so it's better for you because you're getting paid to do it and you don't have to spend as much time writing proposals and hunting for clients and all this stuff because you have these ongoing relationships with your clients. So more of your time is billable. It's better for your clients because now they're actually getting somebody who's generating results, not just like technical stuff, but actual new leads, new clients, more income, right. that kind of stuff. And then it, 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 it just goes straight down the line because now your clients are able to get customers for their business too. And you know most of the people that I work with can do pretty cool stuff. Like I tend to work with a lot of people in the medical field, like functional medicine doctors and stuff who are like able to like legitimately give people their lives back, like have digestive issues that confine them to their house or, you know, all kinds of inflammatory stuff. And they're able to get folks off of like uh, prescription medications that kind of mask symptoms and kind of get better at, uh, you know, figuring out what the root causes of these issues are. And I'm able to help them connect in with clients in a way that they couldn't do before. And so, you know, now people that they're able to help are actually getting, you know, some, some really nice benefits too. So that's why I feel like right, what we're in right now is the most exciting time, you know, ever before when it comes to like online marketing, building websites, being, a, being like a business consultant that focuses on digital marketing. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I love how, you know, you kind of broke it down in ears. I appreciate that. That that actually speaks to your acumen that, you know, you, uh, you know, are well versed in the industry and you pay attention to trends and stuff like that. And that's one thing, Startup Nation, that you need to be mindful of when you're in your business on your path to entrepreneurship. You need to be mindful of not just your business, but your industry as a whole to notice those trends and to be able to pivot and things of that nature in order to be successful. So Lee, I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. No worries. No worries. So let me ask you this, man, because you mentioned double stack and and I wanted to get into, you know, why it's called double stack a little bit later, but you know, you brought it up now. So let's go ahead and, and bring that out, you know, now. So, you know, you talk about it being the bringing together of those 
technical skills of web development and also those business skills as well. Tell us a little bit more about DoubleStack and those things as well. Okay, yeah. So that, that's a really cool thing because this kind of really ties in nicely to, to what you just asked about what's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the cool thing is that if you come to the table with both of those things, you can legitimately produce really cool results for your clients. What I find to be the case, like I do a lot of, uh, a lot of presentations at like WordCamps and WordPress meetup groups and just, uh, you know, folks that are kind of in the business of either trying to, you know, get into their own web design business, or if not that, at least trying to, you know, ramp up what they currently have in a way. And what I'm finding people are saying is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of objections, I guess, that, people have kind of in the web design industry are like either the clients, they don't, they don't know how to like connect with clients. Uh, there aren't any clients or, you know, every time they try to connect with someone, they just kind of get blown off or, you know, maybe the price point, like they say the price. And as soon as they say a price, you know, a thousand dollars or more, everyone's like, Oh, that's too expensive. I can't afford that. And so there's all of these kinds of issues going on with regard to building your business, getting clients, getting the pricing that you need. And so people tend to kind of fall back to saying, hey, well, you know, there's all of these technical services out there that uh, like people can build a website on their own, like business owners. Like, in fact, my daughter's piano teacher, you know, she talked about, you know, she's hey, she talked to my daughter's like, hey, I know your dad does digital marketing, builds websites and stuff. Can he build me a website? And it's like, I don't really build websites for less than about bare minimum of $3,000. Gotcha. And like my, piano, my daughter's piano teacher, she's like, I don't want to spend three grand on a, on a website. So I was like, hey, you know, why don't you just go to Wix and, and build a website? You, know, you can do it yourself. If you need any help, call me. I'll just, you know, I'll talk you through it for right. a couple minutes free or whatever. And so that's what she did. And now she has this free website. But what's happening is a lot of web designers out there are competing against free because they're, you know, all these clients that they're talking to are like, oh, I'll just build a website, you know, like the piano teacher just did. And, you know, they've got a couple of pages, a contact form, looks pretty nice. And it's, it's, it's really low cost and sometimes even free. So what's, what the issue is, is like the technical skills are more readily available in so many more ways now than ever before, either through these things like Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, like places where people can kind of point and click their way to a website or... Right. They're like on like Fiverr or Upwork or, you know, one of these job boards where Mm -hmm. they're competing with folks that are like overseas or whatever. And, you know, they can legitimately charge less because like like a U.S. dollar to them means more than a U.S. dollar to people in the United States. Like, you know, the they can, you know, the cost of living is lower, conversion rates, all this other stuff. So it's really difficult to compete on price with these technical skills. And so the technical side of what I do within the double stack program is in addition to showing people how can you build like a really nice WordPress site? How do you do like, how do you host it? How do you secure it? How do you do the backups? How do you do like a staging environment so you don't have to edit live sites? You know, that kind of stuff. We walk through that. But the real focus is, you know, what kinds of technical tools can you put in place that drive business results for your clients? And so, you know, anybody can go on, on to YouTube or do a Google search or whatever and figure out how to build a WordPress site. You know, anybody can do that. Anybody can figure out how to install a theme, put a slider on the homepage, whatever they want to do. That's not a challenging thing. The challenging thing becomes how can you organize your technical tools and your skill set in a way that actually drives business outcomes? So what that looks like is, you know, what can you do to get more calls booked or to get more leads in? And or like, what if you want to do like a drip campaign or, or build a sales funnel or connect a landing page to some sort of an email marketing campaign? Or like if you've got an email list, 
how can you begin to learn who on the list is interested in what types of things that you're doing? So like, for example, right. you're working with like a dietitian, and the dietitian can do weight loss, diabetic care, maybe gluten sensitivity. Like, how do you know who on that email list is interested in which of those three things? Because you wouldn't want to send you know, the same information to a weight loss client as you would to a diabetic or, you know, depending on what their interests are, you'd send them, want to send them more targeted uh, information to them. Well, how do you do that? That's a business result. And, and it requires technical skills to pull that off. And so the focus of the tech stack of, uh, and double stack is primarily based on how do you drive business results with technical tools? Like how can you technically implement stuff that matters in terms of getting clients? So that's the tech stack. The business development side is, is kind of like this five-step process where, you know, the first part is diving into like, who do you want? Like what markets? Like, let's take an inventory of your skill set because I work with people that have, you know, the ability to build websites, but also other stuff. Like sometimes they're like fantastic photographers. Maybe they've got videography skills. Maybe they've got really strong graphic design skills and they can do offline stuff too, like making like restaurant menus or something like that. Something that would be, you know, printable material, like tangible in your hand stuff. And so let's take an inventory of all the skills that you have in addition to the business development tech tools we just talked about and say, okay, well, now that we have this kind of unique profile of who you are and what you can do, what markets would be best served with those particular skills? And so that's, that's a, a huge thing because most of the time I'll talk to people and they're competing like a sliver of their experience with all of someone else's experience. Like th they'll have like years of experience with all these different things. And then they'll go to a client and say, hey, I'll build you a website. And then there'll be this, this person that's brand new to it, building like really cheap and effective websites saying, hey, I'll build you a website. So they're saying the same thing, both the, the new, new guy and the person who's legitimately very skilled and can drive results. And so therefore, it's not, not hard to understand why clients are having a hard time you know, differentiating between who is actually going to do a better job because they're both saying they're going to build me a website. And so the end result is, you know, you go say, hey, can I build you a website? Almost everybody says, I don't need a website or I can't afford a website or whatever. Right. And so, uh, so the, the concept of the, the business development side of DoubleStack is let's take that inventory of your skill set, figure out how you can take all of your experience, all of your knowledge, all of your skills, and show up with leadership and with confidence and authority and integrity and a, because you're, you're offering a, a return on investment. You're offering to do something for a client that's going to be beneficial to them and have a positive return on investment. And then what we'll do is now that we've taken an inventory of that list, which markets can you best serve with those skill sets? So for example, we talked about like, hey, if you're really good at, at offline graphic design and you can build websites, then maybe local restaurants are a good market to, fo to focus on. If you're really good at running Facebook ads or something, you know, mm -hmm. then maybe you know, there's different markets that that would be better for than others. And so we dial in like what markets would be awesome. Then the second step, is like who within those markets are people that you want to work with? Because the goal is to have ongoing, long-term, lasting relationships with your clients, right. as opposed to just kind of client hopping. And, uh, and when you do that, that really enables you to leverage your time because you're spending more of your work week doing billable work because you don't have to go out there and hunt for clients, write proposals, you know, do all the, all the marketing stuff that you have to do for free. And instead, you're doing billable work. And then, of course, you can also leverage your time in a, in a more effective way by charging a higher hourly rate because, again, you're taking advantage of all of your skill set. So that's kind of step two is how do you connect in with clients that are going to be your ideal clients? And, and thinking about that up front and avoiding the, the folks you don't want to work with. So like, Absolutely. 
what about the people that are, are constantly, you know, putting pressure on you to do a lot of stuff? And so you, you know, you put pressure on yourself to come to the table and, you know, hit those deadlines and then they never get back to you with any feedback. So like all the pressures on you, none of the pressures on them. I mean, how much, that's kind of grind your gears, right? Absolutely. So, and so like, or what about the person who seems like a good fit, but actually isn't really a very good fit at all? which would be like say somebody who like is really ready to get started. They want to do a lot of stuff. They've got a lot of stuff going on. They're talking really fast. They want to get, they want to start going. That might seem like a great client up front, but then it turns out that those people oftentimes have, you know, too many irons in the fire. They're scatterbrained. They, they don't really, they're not really committed to any one thing. And so, you know, that's kind of a frustrating thing because you're trying to do all the best job that you can, but they're all over the place and not really focus on what's going on. And so, you know, putting some time in upfront to really think through those scenarios so that you really can connect them with the people that are going to love working with you. You love working with them. You've got this ongoing thing. So that's step two, really dialing in who you want to work with. Step three is, is uh, how do you do a high value meeting? Like how do you show up in a way that brings leadership and integrity and confidence to a meeting? And uh, because the thing is, the reason that clients don't invest in any sort of high ticket price point for web development work these days is most web designers show up asking questions like, you know, who's your target audience? You know, what's your budget? I'll, I'll tell you what I can do for that price. Or, you know, send me some websites that you like and we'll kind of mimic some of those design features. You know, just kind of give me some direction on what you want. And of course, all of the burden of success is now entirely on the client. And when that happens, you know, even if the relation, even if the meeting kind of goes well and the client feels happy and everybody's getting along, that's not an indication of confidence. That just means you're nice, right? And so I don't want anyone to think that what I'm suggesting is that web designers are, are somehow being you know, mean or, or you know, dishonest or anything like that. What I'm suggesting is how, how can you transform the way that you present what you're doing in a way that actually makes a big difference for the clients that you're working on because you're bringing more leadership. So instead of making the client figure everything out, you're actually coming to the table with solutions. And when that happens, then there's, you know, when, when basically what I say is leadership breeds confidence, confidence breeds investment. You have to have that three-step process because without <laughs> leadership, there's no confidence with no confidence. Nobody's going to spend any money. Who would? That would be stupid. No, that's so true. That's no, that, no, you're absolutely right. And that's very true because it's almost kind of like, if you're not confident, then how can you be confident in your product? Then how can I be confident in you to do what I need you to do for me? So no, you're absolutely right. I appreciate you sharing that Lee for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For sure. And, uh, and then, so then step four is let me help you with proposals because a lot of people, they don't know how to write compelling proposals and they just stuff a lot of technical information into the proposal. Like I'm going to do design work and branding and Facebook ads and build a website and all these different things. And then, you know, they'll talk about PPC and SEO and all these things that nobody really knows about, you know, the in client, the business owners, they don't know what that stuff is. And so they get overwhelmed and, and it's disengaging. And so instead of writing proposals like that, I teach my students how to like, how to do better than that. How do you take the momentum from that high value meeting and put and tap into urgency and, and, and those, and those proposals, like, because you're solving a legitimately large problem for someone. So for example, like if you're going to offer something that's going to double their income, or if they're not getting enough leads, you know, it's going to get them more leads. Like how much longer does your client want to go, you know, without, you know, without getting the leads they need, you know, they, they want to fix that right now, or do they feel like suffering through that for a few more weeks before they fix it? Right. So, right. uh, so how do you tap into that momentum from that high value meeting into a proposal that really resonates with your clients? So, so I have a methodology for teaching folks how to pull that off in a way that, you know, 
it's not at all uncommon for people to come back to me and say, Hey, you know, I felt like I, at one point I was even talking myself out of the sale. They were asking, Hey, when can I get started? Where can I sign? Let, let's do this. And so I just had to shut up and, and let them sign the, sign the contract. So that's the kind of proposal that I'd like to show folks how to, how to put that together, as opposed to, you know, how many times have you sent out a proposal and it just, you know, you think somebody's going to reply, you know, days and weeks go by, it's just crickets, you know, it just, or maybe they'll say, yeah, it looks great. I'll get back to you, but then you never hear anything. You know, it's, it's a fundamentally different kind of a, a thing from that compared to someone saying, Hey, you know, stop talking. Let me get started right now. Right. Right. For sure. So, Thank you for sharing. Oh, go ahead. So then, then the fifth step, the final step uh-huh. is the, the pricing. Okay. And, uh, and dialing in the pricing, really balancing that is because uh, two things can really go wrong with pricing. And I think that, you know, a lot of times you'll talk to folks that, um, you know, that can really do legitimately cool stuff. Like they've got the ability to, to you know, really generate outcomes for folks and they're offering that, but they're putting this really low ticket price on the offer. And, uh, and, you know, this is one of the things I say all the time, like, you know, when you go to like, like New York or something and, and there's right. somebody on the street, like selling a, a Rolex watch and you're like, right. Oh, that's that looks great. What's the price? And I'm like, oh, it's fifty dollars. Well, you instantly know <laughs> the Rolex is not fifty dollars. You're like, there's no way you would never buy that, assuming you wanted a Rolex. But here's the thing: what if it really was a Rolex, and someone said it was fifty dollars? You would still think that's not a Rolex, right? Right. The, the price is just too out of balance with that with the product, and you would you would still not buy it because you wouldn't believe it. And that's, that's one of the things that goes wrong with pricing is like, you know, the people that I'm talking to, you know, they can, they can legitimately make a huge impact for their clients. And sometimes they'll even do it for free and say, Hey, just pay me later if it works. You know, they're so desperate for clients and leads, but they don't know, they don't know what to do. And so that of course makes the client think, well, there's, there's really no way. I mean, I'm not going to work with them. Nobody who actually can do what they say they're going to do would do it for that low price. And so you lose clients because of that. But the converse is true too, which is what about the people that are legitimately out there doing low value stuff, like just building a website, you know, doing all these technical services for folks and just kind of putting the leadership role on the client and just saying, hey, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But then they go ahead and say, well, I got to get more money. I'm just going to, you know, double or triple or or 5X my pricing. Well, they still have that low ticket offer, but now they've just, you know, ramped up their price way higher than everybody else. And so they lose clients on that side too. And so the key then is, to balance the price point so that the price is actually consistent with the offer. And when you go through that five-step process, then you end up finding that you've got the technical tools and the business you know, mindset to really onboard clients at this high value rate on an ongoing basis. And it lets you scale your business to, to five to $10,000 per month consistently with a level of work that you can handle kind of on your own as a solopreneur. And then if you want to scale beyond that, you have recurring income and you have the ability to say, hey, you know what, you know, I'm making 8K per month or I'm making 12K a month right now. I can bring somebody on to kind of help me do this. And you can do it with confidence because you have that, that income as opposed to, man, I'm going to hire somebody, but I don't know what next month is going to bring. I hope it works out. And so you really have the stability to actually scale to pretty much at any level you want. And it's, it's, a, it's a huge win because it's kind of like we were talking about in the beginning of the call here or the conversation here, which was you know, what's the most exciting thing about it? And the most exciting thing is you don't have to have that full-blown agency with all that overhead. You right. can, in fact, you know, you can drive these results kind of on your own. And it's, and it's, it requires making a fundamental shift towards leadership and business concepts. Like I say, stop being like a WordPress business and become like a business consultant who powers the results with the WordPress ecosystem. That's really the inversion that we're talking about with regard to kind of going through the business side. So uh, so does that kind of make some sense? 
No, and that makes complete sense. And, and it provides a ton of value for Startup Nation to what you, know, you can get from DoubleStack. And Startup Nation, if that's something that you're very interested in, uh, you can go to doublestack.net. We have the link there in the show notes for easy access. And you can go ahead and get started with some of that coaching from Lee. Uh, to kind of you know start to build your web development business and stuff like that from both sides, which is why it's called Double Stack for sure. Thank you for sharing that, Lee. I appreciate that. Awesome. No worries. So, you no, know, Lee, really quickly, man. You know, you uh, I saw that you you uh, spoke at WolfConf conference, uh, the Woo conference. Sorry, uh, mm-hmm. down in Austin, Texas, uh, back in 2016, right? You know, yeah. we talked about payment security and stuff like that. We're going to talk a little bit about that in detail a little bit later. But, you know, tell me about that process, man. You know, how did you land that speaking engagement? How did you prepare? Uh, where did you, you know, were you proud of the presentation after fact? And because the reason I wanted to ask you this is because content marketing has become a really big thing uh, in entrepreneurship these days. So uh, tell us how you land that gig. How did you prepare? And were you proud of the presentation after the fact? Yeah, that was a, that was a really fun event. And so it was an interesting. Thing. So th- th- that particular speaking engagement came from the fact that I, I also do e-commerce work. So I, I built this WordPress plugin. It's called Cart 66. And right. that's been out there for like seven years or so. In fact, it was one of the very first e-commerce plugins out there. And the, the reason that's why I actually built it, there was like two other plugins and, uh, and neither of them were designed to... I wanted to sell like a couple of products. I, had, I was doing the headphones like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be able to put like one product on the page and sell it. <laughs> like just that simple. Like I didn't have categories of products. I didn't have you know, a big catalog where you have to like sort it by price or alphabetically or anything like that. I just wanted to put a product on a page and sell it. And because I had headphones, it came in two different colors and that was it. And so, um, but I also wanted to be able to you know, sell the headphones from anywhere that I was talking about them, whether it was like an email newsletter, whether it was a blog post, the homepage of the website, you know, in fact, I didn't really have a product page. Like the whole website was the product page. Like I would talk about like, what is a decibel and what does it sound like to reduce noise by 29 decibels? And what does that sound like in a home environment or an office environment or outside if you're cutting the grass or whatever it might be. And then like, as I'm talking about, I wanted to be able to sell the thing right there. And, uh, but what began, so, and that, that worked great. Right. But Mm -hmm. the problem was people were like, Hey, you know, like PCI compliance, you know, how do I make sure that the credit card payments are secure? And, uh, you know, what, what does that even mean? And so it began to be a situation where, you know, people wanted to get into e-commerce, but the, like the technical side of how to pull it off securely. So, you know, credit cards aren't getting stolen and all this stuff that became somewhat of an issue. So we actually created a new platform to basically make a secure hosted payment page for folks. That's actually part of the card 66 platform up until like basically right now we'll talk about in just a second, there's a shift that we're making currently, but the way I got this, this gig in 2016 to do the WooConf presentation was because of this secure hosted payment page. And so we then took that, that hosted payment platform and opened it up so that other platforms could use it too, including WooCommerce. And so, um, so then, of course, I contacted the folks over there at uh, the, the, WooConf, the, the WooCommerce people. We went to a baseball game, went to see the Nats play in D.C. And, you know, we mm-hmm. got together with, you know, all, all the like the, the head tech folks over at, uh, at WooCommerce. And, um, and this was right around the time that Automatic was purchasing uh, the whole WooCommerce platform. And so from, from WooThemes, there used to be a company called WooThemes that right. started making themes and they made this e-commerce plugin and then, you know, Automatic, which is the company behind WordPress, acquired that. And so this was right around the time of that acquisition in 2016. And so we were hanging out and everything, talking about, 
you know, maybe, you know, building in this payment platform into WooCommerce, which we did for a while. And they said, hey, can you come and, you know, talk at WooConf about, about PCI compliance? And here's the thing that was crazy. It's like, so here I am, you know, I run you know, just a couple of people here, at, you know, at this, you know, that, that ran this platform with me. You know, we're just kind of hanging out in Richmond, Virginia, whatever. And, um, and so I get there to Texas and we start, you know, talking. And like the guy that was right before me was the... Um, he was like the MasterCard person talking about PCI compliance and you know payment security with MasterCard. Then it was me. And then it was like the PayPal guy. He was talking right after me about pretty much the same thing. And I'm like, I felt like that was this huge thing. You know, how could I be sandwiched between MasterCard and PayPal? As if you know that was that was really an eye-opening situation. But the thing that was even funnier was those guys were actually, I don't know if they were misinformed or didn't care enough to to really you know, dig into the details, but right. in the context of like a, a small business, like, you know, you know, people like myself just selling headphones or whatever, the information that they were giving didn't really apply to these small businesses and really only applied to like large corporations. And so, um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing and uh, to be able to kind of set the record straight because the PCI compliance, by the way, it's, it's the payment card industry. That's what PCI means. And they're basically like the credit card police for online sales and they've come up with a set of requirements for how do you do that securely so your customers aren't getting their cards stolen and you know there's not fraud and all that kind of stuff and uh, and it, but it applies to the business as a whole it's not like a website thing it's a it's a business thing so like if you're taking payments over the phone or people are you know mailing in you know credit card numbers or whatever you know there's there's stuff that you have to do for your business to become PCI compliant not just your website and so uh, so I was up there being able to talk about those types of things Whereas everybody else is like PayPal, for example, they don't really care about your business. They care about PayPal. And so they were just talking about the, the payment side of things as opposed to like the whole business. So that's kind of how I got into that was, uh, you know, we built this payment platform and, you know, connected in with the WooCom WooCommerce people and they invited me to do that presentation. It was, it was really fun, but, uh, but things have changed. And so that was two years ago and things changed so quickly. Right. And now it's the case that most of the major, you know, payment processors like Stripe or whatever, you know, they don't, you don't have to have a hosted payment page anymore to really make a secure connection. There's ways now, the technical ways, we don't have to get into all the tech, tech part of it, but the mm -hmm. idea is you can pretty much directly connect your website to these, uh, to payment processors like Stripe and have a secure connection there. And so you don't have to have that hosted payment page platform anymore. And so about a year ago, we kind of stopped accepting new customers for that. And we're kind of gradually sunsetting that whole hosted payment page concept. Uh, in favor of easier, lower cost, you know, better technology going forward. But uh, but yeah, so that's kind of an answer to that question about WooConf. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And the reason I wanted to ask him that, Startup Nation, is because, like I said earlier, content marketing is becoming a big thing. So whether it be speaking engagements or podcasts or blogs, it really can propel your business to the next level. Speaking of podcasts, Lee has a podcast called The Double Stack Podcast, and I have the link there in the show notes for easy access so you can continue to get some of Lee's amazing value and content, you know, in your uh, web development business as you go forward to your path to entrepreneurship for sure. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you uh, like being on Startup Life so far, Lee? I love it. It's awesome. You're asking great questions. I really feel like this is a really fun conversation. All right, Startup Mission. So I hope you're getting great value from Lee's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson. You listen to the Startup Life podcast and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network.
Hey business owner, the startup life reach is growing. Wouldn't you like your business to grow with it? Reach out to us to advertise on the startup life. You can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like this is a great music to have break on, but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music, but your business being advertised on it? Need more content from the Startup Life, you say? You can now sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass on the Binge Podcast Network's Patreon page. There is exclusive content written by yours truly, video content where I share even more of my business philosophies and whatever crazy content I can think of out of that crazy head of mine. And at only $5 a month, yeah, $5 a month, this is more content for you, Startup Nation, to really get ahead of your competition. So instead of upsizing that meal at your favorite fast food joint, you can now invest in yourself on your path to entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to sign up. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So Lee, on your website, doublestack.net, people can uh, sign up for like a free weekly training class. Is that true? And let us know what we can get from that training class when we sign up. Yeah. So I have two things that can happen on the website. One thing okay. is the, uh, the, the, every Tuesday I have a Facebook group and the name of the Facebook group is building high value WordPress sites. And that's a free group. Anybody can join. And, uh, and what I do is every Tuesday at two o'clock Eastern, I'll go on there and we'll talk about something. And it could be, you know, how to get better clients or how to, how to combat the, I can't afford that myth. Like we were just talking about, like, you know, most of the time, you know, when, when web designers approach a new client, the client's like, Oh, you know, I like what I'm hearing, but I can't afford that. And most of the time it's actually a myth and they actually can't afford that. They're just not connecting the dots on, you know, how, what you're planning to do for them is going to result in something that's going to have a positive return on investments. How do you fix that? And so that's just an example of of one of the types of things we talk about. Other things are like, what if the client really is like a legitimate client? They really want to work with you and they legitimately can't afford that. Like, what are some ways you can connect with them to, uh, to make it worth your while and theirs, but still making it affordable? And so like, we'll talk about things like, how do you, uh, how do you present affordable services without attracting cheap clients? So we'll talk about things like that. And all of that is to say that, you know, what we do in that group is I try to do the best I can to provide like really detailed instructions on like how to, how to, you know, connect in with clients more effectively, but it's a much larger forum. You know, there, there's hundreds and hundreds, you know, almost a thousand people in the group right now. So you can't be so one-on-one on that. So, uh, so, so thing number one that you can do is you can connect in to that Facebook group. I repost the, uh, the training sessions in the blog too. So you can kind of get, you know, replays if, you, if you're not able to show up live and ask questions or whatever, you just want to check out the replay, you can do that. And then the second thing that I do is I offer um, a 45 minute free phone call. So if, if like, this is the kind of stuff that you're interested in doing, and you want to be able to figure out how to raise your rates or connect in with clients more effectively, or, you know, kind of explore like, you know, what kind of markets really would be great for your, your particular interests and skill sets, and you want to get kind of more one-on-one, then I offer like a free 45-minute consultation. And, and we talk about that very stuff. And if it turns out that, you know, the things that we talk about on the phone call are things that you kind of want my help implementing into your business, then, you know, we can talk about like the Double Stack program which is an eight week course where, you know, I, I kind of come alongside and do these types of things with you. So like, you know, that five step process we talked about with, you know, dialing in your market, connecting in with your ideal clients, right. running those high value meetings, the proposals and the pricing. If you want my help with that, then I'll come alongside and do that stuff with you on, uh, you know, for, for eight weeks. And so I'm finding that people are having tremendous success with that kind of a thing. Like for example, 
um, work, one, of the, one of the guys I was working with had never sold a website professionally to anybody before. Although he had awesome skills, he just couldn't connect with the clients. He came in, we worked together, and his very first client was an $8,000 client right off the bat. Another guy that I'm working with, he's, I think he's landed like $25,000 of new business in the last six weeks. That's crazy. And, uh, that's and so, crazy. And so the reason that I'm so confident that I can drive those types of results for folks is I'm not just throwing people into a course and saying, all right, you know, there it is I, you know, for the best. I actually right. come along and I do three things. I give you access to all the materials that you need so that you can build up the technical skill set that you need to drive business outcomes so you can analyze your business skill set, you know, how to write those proposals, do the pricing, that kind of stuff. Um, and so there's an online course that does that stuff. Then I have a private Facebook group for, for, for the double stackers where we can get in and be in a community of, of like-minded people who are really interested in you know, really serving their clients at a higher level. And then for eight weeks, I actually come along and do this stuff with you on, a, on an individual basis in the sense that you, know, like you have access to me through email. We work on proposals together, that kind of stuff. So, uh, so anyway, all that is to say that that free 45-minute call is to decide, you know, how can you how can you do better with your with the things that you're working on? Like, how do you connect in with the right clients? How do you get the pricing dialed in? All that kind of stuff. We kind of run through that in the, that 45 minute call. And if it sounds like that you kind of want to take it further and you want my help, kind of implementing that stuff into your business, we can talk about that. See if it's a good fit for both of us. If it's not, that's totally cool too. Um, it's not that 45 minute call is not a sales call for the program. It's really just to kind of help you know point people in the right direction. If they want more help later, we can talk about it. But, uh, but th- those are the ways that I really have, have been able to help folks is with those free training sessions on Tuesdays through the Facebook group with the replays on the website. And then, you know, kind of following up from those, from those free training sessions with like a 45 minute call to really speak specifically to, a, to an individual person to say, hey, you know, what are the things that you're struggling with? And can I, can I help? Can I refer you to some resources? And like sometimes, you know, those calls will end up in, in a situation where like I can't help, like, like people that want to do something that's outside of my field of expertise. And that's totally cool too. But a lot of times what I'll find is, you know, people are like, yeah, I really want your help. And you know, then we can work on, you know, kind of implementing the types of things that we've talked about both in the training sessions and on that call into, into people's businesses. So like if they're really committed to wanting to do better for themselves and for their clients and they feel stuck in some particular way, then this is like the fastest track that I know of to get the results that they want. And that's really why I put the thing together in the first place, because there's places where you can learn how to build better WordPress sites or whatever. There's, there's technical schools out there where you can learn it. There's also business courses out there that you can take to learn how to you know, get more leads or whatever. In fact, one of the women that I was talking to, she actually spent like thousands of dollars on a, uh, a, a, it was like a lead generation course for how to get leads from LinkedIn. And she said, so how did that go for you? Did you, did you like it? And she, she kind of paused and I was like, it's like she was thinking about what the answer was. And then she said, well, I got a lot of leads, but I just didn't get any clients. And it turns out that she was missing the tech stack part of it. Like she, she knew how to do the business side of getting the leads to come in, but she didn't have anything behind it. So she wasn't able to close the leads. She wasn't able to convert the leads to customers because she didn't, she didn't ha- have the ability to actually do the things that she was proposing in and, and the lead generation concept from LinkedIn. And so that was an example of where it's kind of like this, this marketing shell. Like she's got the marketing dialed in, she's getting leads, but there's no, she can't implement anything. You know, she's, she, she had a really hard time, you know, having like the meat behind the this, this shell of a business. And so, uh, and so that's kind of the, the, whole, the whole idea of how I can, how I can kind of help that, if that sort of makes some sense. 
No, that makes complete sense. Thank you for sharing that for sure. So, you know, really quickly, man, you know, I, I want to go back to the Wu conference just a little bit. Okay. Uh, talking about payment security and stuff like that. You know, and we live in this era when we talk about websites and, and payment systems and stuff like that. We're in this era with e-commerce and, and payment systems where people are starting to hack for data, you know, and it's more prevalent than ever before, right? And it's gotten to a point where even big corporations are susceptible uh, to data breaches and things of that nature. So I think you're, you know, what you talked about at the Wu conference was very important uh, in that regard. So, you know, if you would talk to Startup Nation and talk to those who, not only people who think about like creating a web development business, but those of us who have websites as well, talk about why it's so important that even if big corporations are susceptible to it, why we should be uh, mindful of security and stuff like that and not caught corners when it comes to security for our website and payment systems and stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's a great question too, because security and one of the big things that like I'll talk to people and a lot of really kind of open forums, especially on Facebook. And one of the, you know, one of the main sources of flack that I get is that, you know, WordPress sites are so easy to hack and Mm, it's easy to kind of deface a WordPress site or whatever. And, um, and that kind of used to be more true than it is now because, um, you know, a lot of the things that involve security, you know, one of the big, like, if, if you could only do like one thing, the main thing to do with, especially with WordPress, is just to make sure that you update things on a regular basis, that you don't just build a website, let it sit there for a year, and then all the exploits that are discovered from a year ago are still open on your site, and then people can hack it. And so the way to overcome that is, you know, just make sure that WordPress gets updated, the plugins get updated. And that's, you know, there's automated ways to do that for the most part. So it doesn't take a whole lot of your time. But the, uh, but the benefit is that now you've got all the, the, all the latest security patches, and everything applied, which is going to make your site a lot more secure in the first place. There's also hosting companies out there that kind of help with this as well. So with, with the automating of the updates, but that's like a really important thing when it comes to payments, the, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that have really changed pretty dramatically over the past maybe year and a half or so. Whereas it used to be the case that the only way to really, really do a secure payment was to make sure that the, uh, the, the, the payment page itself was entirely served up by what they call like a PCI compliant server. And there's all kinds of uh, requirements to make that happen that are, that are expensive to implement and you know, beyond the ability of someone who just kind of wants to sell some t-shirts or wants to sell some headphones or whatever, just mm-hmm. too expensive to implement that. And so, um, but the good news is today, a lot of the a lot of the the best payment gateways, and I keep referring to Stripe as as my favorite payment gateway, right? Because, and they're so easy to work with. There's no monthly contract. I don't I don't even have any sort of affiliate relationship with them. I just I just like using them, and so um, and, and the cool thing about them is like you can get set up like right away. Like you can literally go to their site and get an account like right now, and then you know connect them with your bank account. So when you get paid, money just goes in every day if you want to that that frequently. You don't have to wait like for multiple days to get everything processed. And, uh, and what, uh, they have a system in place where you can, le- you can like connect your website directly to theirs with, um, with the w- way that they coded it up. So that that whole situation, like all the payment stuff comes from their server as opposed to your WordPress site. But it looks like it's kind of all on your WordPress site. So, um, so in terms of a user experience, it's very seamless. But in terms of the technical implementation, it's really secure because all the stuff that involves like collecting payment information and you know, personal information with regard to a credit card 
is actually served up from their secure environment rather than your own website. And when that happens, then you know all that really secure information is, is protected with uh, with all the stuff that they're putting in place. So that kind of makes it really easy to um, to start selling things and, and really to, to to launch an e-commerce site or a membership site or something like that all on your own without having all of the massive overhead. But uh, but the other gateways, you want to look and make sure that like some of the older gateways out there, they don't really have these types of things in place. And so you want to like kind of look through their terms of service, see if you're going to be charged any kind of uh, PCI compliant, uh, non-compliance fees. So there's some kind of gotchas out there with some of these older older gateways. But right. uh, but hey, you know, like if, if you just want to accept credit cards and you and you live in the United States or Canada or the UK or you know you know tons of different places, you know pretty much anywhere. Um, uh, other than the Middle East, they don't—they don't have a lot of coverage in the Middle East. But uh, anyway, all that is to say that if you—if you have a business located in the United States or Canada, then go ahead and you know just get a Stripe account, and then if you do that, you don't really have to worry about the payment security because you know their system is, is really modern and up to date. And like especially if you're on WordPress, then you know all the all the payment plugins that I know about do a really good job connecting in with uh, with them in a secure way. Does that kind of help? Kind of get it at the point that you were asking about? No, it absolutely does. Because the thing is, like, I always tell Startup Nation, like, look, man, like, you know, just, you know, you know, because we, we think about Target and all those other big corporations. And I, I try to convey to them, like, look, if it can happen to them, it can happen to us, too. But I'm not the computer science guy. You are. So it, has, <laughs> yeah. it, has, it has a little bit more meat to that bone when it comes to you. So I appreciate you backing me up on that, uh, Lee. I do, really. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Another point, by the way, too, is like if you're asking somebody to make a payment with you, you know, okay. you, you wouldn't want to ask them to like email you their credit card or if they if they send you their like, like say you, you mail out a piece of paper and uh, somebody writes their credit card number on a piece of paper, then you need to like somehow destroy that piece of paper after you get it and process the payment in order to stay PCI compliant. And so one of the cool things that's out there now to kind of prevent that from happening is instead of saying, hey, you know, you know, email me or paper mail me your billing information. You can do like what I call like buy now links, you know, where you, where you make a link to a particular product that you want somebody to buy and you just email them the link. Or like if you've worked with like QuickBooks or FreshBooks or any sort of invoicing, you know, system, a lot of times rather than having them, you know, send you the details for a credit card payment, so, sort of like, you know, in plain text or whatever, those invoicing platforms allow you to collect billing information in a way that you're totally hands off. And so the absolute best way to be secure, especially when it comes to payment information, mm-hmm. is to be 100% hands off and just have something else handle the payment, like whether it be Stripe or, or FreshBooks or some sort, of a, some sort of an application out there that allows your client to connect directly with some sort of a payment processor. And then you still get the money, but the, uh, but the processor handles all of the all of the credit card information. And then when you do that, you're kind of in the clear. It's, it's not really your, uh, your responsibility to do anything anymore. Cause you're, you don't, you don't, you never see that data in the first place. You couldn't do anything with it, even if you wanted to. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. So it's not just me startup nation. You heard it from Lee as well. So just want to make sure I point that out for sure. So Lee, let's switch it up a little bit, man. Tell me about your home life a little bit, your family. How was your, how has your wife supported your entrepreneurial journey. And then, you know, when you think about your kids, right. And, and, you know, and 30 years from now, when they ask what's dad's legacy, what are they, what do you think they will say? (laughs) That's a, that's a cool question. Um, 
I'll try not to get overly emotional, but whenever, whenever no anybody worries. asks me, no, like, I'll, I'll put some like, nice uh, music behind it. Go ahead. Get emotional, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, they, uh, so I, have, I have five children actually. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, they, right now they they range in age from four to fifteen. So you know my, my oldest daughter, she's you know, about to drive a car and all this other stuff. So uh, and then I've got my youngest, my little guy. You know he's just four and he's like a firecracker, man. He's like a bottle of energy. And so uh, you know, and then everybody in between is is just fantastic. And so, uh, but when it comes to my wife, she has been her name is her name is Emily, and uh, she's just an amazing person. Like there's no way that I would ever be able to be you know, where I am today, had it not been, you know, for her encouragement and support. And, um, like, like I've talked to a lot of people like about, you know, you know, whether they want to invest in things or, you know, build a website or whatever. And a right. lot of times they'll say, Oh, let me go talk to my wife. And their wives oftentimes are just, they, they kind of put the squash on things a little bit because they're, they're, they're concerned. They're, they're right. fearful, you know, and they, they, you know, not, not not of any malice or any sort. Or no, of like course, that. of course. Oftentimes you're like, ah, I don't know, you know, that's a lot of money to spend. I don't know if we should do it. And so, and so that kind of holds folks back. But my wife, on the other hand, it's like, you know, she just like her belief in my ability to pull stuff off is gr- oftentimes even greater than my belief in my ability to pull. <laughs> oh, stuff nice. Off. Okay. And so, uh, and so, like, you know, sometimes I'll even think to myself, man, it's like it's, it's just this is such a great thing. I love helping people. Like th- this whole double stack thing has just been huge. Like legitimately, there's people out there. Like like one one lady that I was working with, like her husband just passed away a couple months ago. Like, mm. like just a just a few months ago. Right. And she's great. I mean, she can build websites. She can do design work. She can do. I mean, she's she's got a lot of skills, but she's like she needs to figure something out because she's got this this tragedy on her hands. And like right. it's just so freaking awesome to be able to connect with people like that. And, and, and legitimately give them an actual business that will support their family and, you know, and, and help them in a, in a really short period of time go from, holy smoke, I have no idea what I'm going to do to, oh, wow, I can't believe it's actually working. Like, I can't tell you how many people say, oh, it worked just like you said it would. And, and, and it's, it's just really, really, really rewarding to, to be able to do that. And uh, in fact, I'm working with this one guy, Charlie, and uh, and the very first time he onboarded, like his first client, I think it was like a $3,000 client. And um, like he said, well, it worked. And that was pretty much, that was the subject of his, uh, <laughs> of his email. And then he's like, you know, I was talking to this client and they were like, yeah, shut up. Where can I sign? You know, let's stop, stop talking about it. And then, um, and so that was like on a Wednesday. And then like Friday, he sent me a text. He's like, whoops, I did it again. <laughs> wow. I was like, and, so, and, so, and that was like on his path to that, that 25 grand in six weeks, that situation, that was him. And so, um, and so, but the cool thing is like to be able to connect with people like that, but I don't know if I would have had, like, if my wife had been the kind of person that was, you know, that didn't believe in me or that didn't have, you know, all of the confidence in the world. Right. I, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to, to establish this business and, and be able to connect with people that legitimately need, need this help. And so kind of to answer the question about the children, like, what do they think? It's like, we, we all stay at home a lot. Like, like we homeschool the children. I'm okay. at home. A lot of times doing work, you know, from, from my home office, right. Home teaching the the children. And so like, we have, like, we're really open about what's going on in the business and, you know, how things are going. And like, sometimes like if we're starting up a new concept, it's kind of stressful, you know, trying to get things off the ground. And then when it becomes successful, it's really great. And everybody, we can all celebrate together. And uh, so what I kind of hope, I hope two things, really. The first thing is I'd like the children to see that 
you know, it's freaking hard work to start a business. There's no, I, I mean, I can make it simple, right? Like I can say, here's the steps that you need to take to make this happen for you. But it's, it's still freaking hard. Like nobody's going to do it for you. You have to get up, you know, get the grit to do it yourself, connect in with people that can help you get the resources you need to succeed, but come with an attitude where you're going to freaking dig in and get stuff done. Right. And so, um, so w- with that kind of in mind, I want, I want the children to see, hey, you know, doing hard stuff pays off. That's kind of thing, number one. And the other thing that I'd like them to really see is that, you know, if you, if you genuinely care about people, if you really want to help other folks do better with their business and you're not out there just trying, well, one of the things that I say a lot, kind of, kind of backing it up a little bit, there's mm-hmm. a lot of web designers out there that are... Um, and this could this probably applies to other other businesses too, but I just kind of work in the web industry. So uh, that are out there accepting projects at lower price points than they want to, and usually it's because they need the work, they need the money, they right. can build a good site, they want to do great work, right? They're not trying to scam anybody, but in the backs of their minds, they kind of know, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll build this website. They're going to pay me fifteen hundred bucks or twenty five hundred bucks, whatever it might be for the site. But ultimately, you know, nobody's going to be there to keep the ball rolling, right? And so it ends up kind of being this bad investment. And so there's, there's this degree of guilt, maybe, mm-hmm. kind of in the backs of people's minds that are kind of holding them back from, you know, connecting in with more clients or whatever. Gotcha. And, uh, but, then, but if you can make that shift where you can legitimately and authentically show up and drive better results for your clients. Like the, the question that I ask myself is, what can I do that's going to make a better impact or better result for the people that I work with? And before I do anything, whether it's set my price, figure out what services I'm going to offer, where I'm going to speak, what I'm going to do with my time every day, you know, the, it has to be because it's going to make a better result for the people that I'm working with. And I, I want the children to see that as well. Like it's not about just trying to, you know, crank out some sort of a living. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. I don't know. But if you can, if you can do something that legitimately helps people in a genuine way and you care about them, then it just makes everything so much better. And one of the things it makes better, like a lot of times people say, Hey Lee, you know what? I don't know where to find clients. I don't know where to, I mean, I just, I just can't find any clients. And then within like five minutes of talking to them, like I'll, I'll walk them through like this four step process to where to find clients with, within that, you know, five minute, four step process thing, we'll come up with a dozen clients or maybe more than that, you know, a significant number of, of potential clients that they could be working with. And I say, okay, well, what, what, you know, why are you not reaching out to these people? And you know why they don't reach out? They don't reach out because they don't feel like the offer that they're going to present is something that's, it, that's really going to benefit those people. Because sometimes the people are like their friends, right? Like maybe they have right. a dentist that they like, or maybe they go to a chiropractor, or maybe they know people from church, or you know, maybe they work out at a gym with somebody. They don't want to wreck those relationships by you know, offering them some sort of a business offer that doesn't pan out or doesn't work out or whatever. But if you change it, if you change it so that you, I don't even call it selling. I, don't, I usually don't even call it marketing. I call it serving. Because you're, it's, it's not a high-pressure, multi-level marketing kind of thing. And when you feel comfortable going out and saying, hey, you know, here's, I've got some ideas that are really going to help your business. You know, here, here's how this works, and here's the kind of results you could expect from it. Do you want to do that? If someone says yes, fantastic, because now you're legitimately you know, helping someone's business. If they say no, okay, that's fine too. It doesn't matter. You, know, it, you still have the friendship. And so... That's what I mean when I say like, if you can legitimately get behind someone else's business and serve them better than anybody else, 
then that's just going to be better for you, better for them, better, better for everybody. And I want the children to see that if they can actually, you know, have the grit, have the determination to do hard stuff in the context of serving the people that, that, that they want to be interacting with in a way that separates them from everybody else who's just trying to make a buck, then that's really the secret to success, both in, in your personal life and in, in your business life. Thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate that because I, I think entrepreneurs, you know, as 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 they progress in time, they they start to think about that legacy. So I kind of just wanted to get your take on that for sure. So Lee, you know, I, I saw that you attend worship services fairly regularly, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was curious about how much of your faith shaped the way you do business in the sense of doing business with integrity and treating people fairly. Oh, that's a great question. Nobody, nobody really asked me that question. That's cool to be able to have a chance to talk about that. I would say a ton, like, like 100%. And, uh, and like, one of the things people will ask me is, you know, what kind of books do you read to, you know, what kind of entrepreneurs do you follow? You know, where do you, where do you kind of get the guidelines for, you know, what you want to be doing next? For sure. And, um, you know, of course, like I, I read, I read books and so forth that, like right now, I'm reading uh, Extreme Ownership, that, that Jocko Wilkins book about, you know, he's the Navy right. SEAL that talks about, you know, leadership. And so I'm mm-hmm. reading that right now. So of course, I read books about, um, you know, leadership and what's going on in, in today's business environment. But but I, I get a ton of information about what to do, like straight out of the Bible. And so, okay. uh, and so what I mean by that, is not, not any sort of like <laughs> mystical tricks or whatever, no, but for example, um, like here's something that I say all the time to people, and it's the the situation you know Caleb and the spies that are going in to see if they're gonna you know overtake the land, and they they look out there and they see giants, and um and they come back and they tell the, they tell their crew, hey you know you know I don't think we can overtake this land, you know there's giants in the land, and 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 we we viewed ourselves as grasshoppers, and they viewed us as grasshoppers. That was basically the idea, and then of course Caleb is there saying, hey you know what let's do this anyway, we can do it. This is really this is our mission. This is what we're supposed to do. But the, the real business takeaway that I get from, from that as an example is, hey, if you view yourself as a grasshopper, other people are going to view you as a grasshopper as well. Mm-hmm. And so if you're trying to show up for a client with leadership and with confidence and with the integrity to lift them to a level of success that they can't get apart from you, and you're showing up as a grasshopper, they're going to be seeing you as a grasshopper. And so that's just one example of... Uh, right. You know, of how you can actually, you know, take your faith and the lessons that you've learned there and apply that to your everyday business life. And, it's, and instead of showing up as a grasshopper, show up as a leader and, 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 you know, really, you know, get the job done, if that kind of makes some sense. No, that makes complete sense. Thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to ask that question because, you know, I, I think people's faith, you know, shapes and molds them on how to, not only how they, you know, treat people on a personal basis, but how do they do their the business dealings as well. So I just wanted to get your take on that. So I, I appreciate the value you just provide to Startup Nation there for sure. Well, thank you. Awesome. No worries. No worries. So, uh, I, Lee, I think all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? <laughs> My superpower? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I think maybe if I had to, if I had to kind of boil it down into one thing, um, I feel like I've, I have a really, really strong ability to kind of um, maybe the word is empathize okay. uh, without having to sympathize, if that makes gotcha. sense. So, so what okay. I mean by that is like, I can connect in with a person and they can tell me their situation, whether this is a client that I'm working with through DoubleSec, whether it's, you know, like a, like a business owner I'm working with, with regard to building a website, whatever it might be, I can have, I have the ability to show up and, and listen to what they're, what they're telling me and, and, and really connecting in kind of on, on an emotional level 
with what what they're going through, with the struggles that they're having, like the like the real life situation that's before us, without without it getting too cloudy with you know technical implementation of how to do stuff. And I think you know kind of right out on the surface, that's a big thing. But then, but not going so far as to into what I would call sympathy. Like the difference between empathy and sympathy in my mind is empathizing means you can really connect with somebody, you understand what's going on, but you don't become part of their problem. Whereas with sympathy, you have the same sort of situation where they're telling you the situation that's a big problem for them and you get so drawn into it that you're not really able to see the big picture or offer any sort of result. And for, for like a small example would be, you know, kind of we talked about before, like people saying, hey, I can't afford that. Right. Instead of just saying, oh, well, yeah, no, you know, you're, you're in a hard time. I'm really sorry that things are going so bad for you. Uh, I know that you say you can't afford it. Well, maybe come back later. Maybe you can, maybe it'll be better or whatever. Instead of just kind of, that's what I would call sympathizing, where you're kind of getting so drawn into the person's personal situation or financial situation or whatever, that you're not really able to offer solutions anymore because it's just too, too grave of a situation. Whereas with empathy, you can be like, hey, you know, I, here, here's, here's some ways that we can actually take into account what you're actually going through. And, you know, here's some ways to kind of, here's some solutions. So, uh, so you connect in with the person. You're not, you're not trying to pressure them into doing something that's bad for them or uncomfortable. You're genuinely offering, you know, the best, you know, support that you can offer with regard to what you're talking about. And you're doing it in a way that is actually within reach for them. So, like say, say for example, someone says I can't afford that, and they legitimately can't afford that. Well, well, what right. can you do to work with somebody so that you are able to offer your high value services, but still in an affordable way? And so, you know, like one way, kind of right off the top of my head, would be like, what if, what if instead of you know trashing their whole website and everything that they've got right now, rebuilding everything for you know ten thousand dollars or whatever? What if instead of doing that, hey, well, what, what if you just left the website the way it was, and you just did one thing? You know, like like the stuff that you might put into like that monthly retainer like that you're kind of doing to kind of keep the ball rolling, kind of helping their business along with, with their online stuff. Well, instead of redoing their whole online platform, what if you just did one of the things that you would have put in the retainer and just, and just kind of did the retainer first. And then as results started coming in, you know, then you could kind of, you know, that would fund doing more and more things. And so that's kind of what I mean with empathizing. So you, you, you take into account what's going on in somebody's life. And then, you know, from that perspective, be like, hey, you know, here's how I can legitimately help. Like, here's here's some solutions. And I think if if, if I had a superpower, I feel like I'm pretty good at doing doing that. If that makes any sense. No, that makes complete sense. I definitely think that's a superpower for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So before I ask the last question, man, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Startup Life Startup Nation. Thanks you for coming on the Startup Life. We got some very tangible and actionable value that we can use as soon as this episode's in. Uh, this episode ends, and so I want to thank you for that. And as always, Startup Nation, this is the Startup Life Podcast. My ho- your host, Dominic Lawson, brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. And so last thing, man, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, Lee, because there's an entrepreneur out there, man. They're getting ready to quit, and, or, or at the very least, they're getting ready to, you know, they don't want to start their business. They got a good idea, but they don't want to start. Give them some words of encouragement today. Okay, yeah. So here's the thing. If you feel like that you have the ability to do something really powerful for other people. And it could, it could be in the context of, any, it doesn't have to be a web design kind of business, it could be any business. If you feel like that you've got an idea and the ability to really do something for somebody, don't just hide that under a bushel. Again, with the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the biblical analogies or whatever, don't just put sure. your light or your lamp under some kind of a shade. Instead, take that, take that idea and go with it. And, and so 
But instead of just kind of, you know, smashing your head against the wall over and over and over again, you know, back up a little bit, look to see if there's a door there and then go through the door and make the progress rather than keeping smashing your head into the wall over and over. And the reason I give that example is because sometimes, in fact, I would say most of the time when there's an entrepreneur getting ready to start and they feel like they're hitting up against the wall and they're not able to make the forward progress that they want, oftentimes it's like the concept of just, you know, you're walking forward, but you just keep banging your head into the door, into the door, into the door. And so how do you fix that? How do you get around that problem? And the, the best way that I know how to do it is surround yourself with people who have done that before so they can give you some perspective. You know, find people that can help you that have achieved what you want to achieve, maybe not in the exact same way, but kind of in the same arena. And what, what you'll find is you'll be sitting there, you know, banging your head against the wall over and over and over trying to make progress and not being able to. And somebody's going to come along and say, hey, you know what, if you could just back up a little bit, move over to the right two steps, then you can just go through the door. You don't have to bang your head anymore. And that's the kind of of insight that that finding, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, like business coaches, mastermind groups, just some sort of a community out there. Because that's like the biggest thing that made the, the biggest difference in my life was when I finally reached out and connected in with people that could that could show me st- the stuff that I didn't know that I didn't know. And the stuff that was completely outside of my head that was preventing me from making forward progress, that was causing me to continually repeat the same mistakes over and over again. And, um, and, and be serious about it. Like if you, you know, the other thing that can kind of wreck your, wreck your world with regard to, you know, running a business or, or, or anything, it's like if you feel like you have a good, situ- a good, a good concept, a good business model, and you want to, you know, take that forward, but you're not fully committed to actually doing it. You're just kind of dabbling and you have this indecisiveness. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing. Like we talked about my daughter who's 15 mm-hmm. and uh, she's getting ready to start driving. I was like, hey, you know, when you're driving, you can't sit in the middle of the road deciding whether or not to cross it. Either don't go at all or go all the way. Right. <laughs> if you go halfway, that's going <laughs> to be a big problem for everybody. And gotcha. so, and I think the same thing applies to business. Like if you're going to go, go in all the way. And if you're not going to go, that's fine too. But don't just kind of sit there halfway because that's going to burn you out. That's going to frustrate you. It's, you're, you're kind of, it's going to trickle out all of, all of your resources. You know, just either go in all the way with the help that you need to get, to get down the path, you know, find those people that can help you and then you know, dive in 100% and do it. Or you know, wait until that time, you know, till, till your circumstances are, are going to allow you to, 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 to do that. That kind, that kind of dabbling halfway kind of a thing is just a disaster. So that's kind of what, what I would advise in terms of kind of, you know, kind of getting things started. And I guess if I had to say one last thing is, hey, you know, be prepared for hard stuff to happen. So like, for, like uh, one of the guys that I, that's, that I talk to a lot, like one of the things he told me was, uh, hey, if you're, if you're going to train to be like the heavyweight champion of the world, you're going to get punched in the face a lot, Absolutely. you know? And so just be prepared for that. It's like, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path. It just means that if you're going to do something hard, it's going to be hard. And, uh, and just kind of brace yourself for that and have the mindset. Like The mindset comes from the people that you surround yourself with. Like, hopefully your wife will be a really strong encouragement. And so will your, your children if you have them. Uh, your friends, like if you go to church, you know, that, that community can you know, be a really strong boost and, and encourage you and 
you know, help you out with, you know, the, the mindset side of things, kind of keeping that together. And, um, and that's really, that's the whole thing. It's like, you have to actually be prepared to really do hard stuff, be committed to doing it and, and surround yourself with people that have done that sort of a thing and can help you along the way. If you do those things, then you really have set yourself up with a really high percentage chance for success. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And with that answer, that's going to wrap up this session of The Startup Life. Lee, did you enjoy being on the show, my man? I loved it. It was fantastic. You, th- you thought of really great questions to ask, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to, you know, the, to be on here with you and talk about this stuff. No worries. All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. When it comes to Lee Blue, two things come to mind. The first one is this. Startup Nation, on your path to entrepreneurship, you're going to come across people who have a wealth of knowledge. Lee Blue is one of those people. He not only talks about you know building uh, a web design business and web design tips and tricks, but he also gave here on the Startup Life podcast tips and tricks for just general entrepreneurial knowledge. The one that really sticks out is the one where he talks about making sure you're getting the full worth of your product or service that you sell. Don't undersell yourself. Make sure you get what you feel like your product or service is worth. Also, Startup Nation, when Lee talked about his faith in attending church regularly, he's putting it out there for the world to see. No regrets, no remorse. And look, I'm not saying that, you know, you should or you must, you know, share your faith with the world and this, that, and the other, but it really speaks to more importantly, on your path to entrepreneurship, be honest with yourself and be transparent, you know, with your customers, because I think that ultimately leads to a better business, but more importantly, a better you. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or like to advertise on our show, please send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as can be now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or whatever your favorite platform to get your podcast on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass to get exclusive content. This is exclusively on the Bench Podcast Network's Patreon page. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. You still here? Looking for more content? All right, fine. Here. So I was really obsessed at one point with winning it. And finally, I made it my mission in life. After not winning in 2007, I really just got more serious than ever in my, as far as my training. And I maybe was overprepared in 2008 in that I won it pretty easily in 2008. I I crushed, I crushed people in, in a lot of the events that year because I was just, I mean, I, I really 
the best way to describe it was it was just my obsession and uh, mission in life to win the competition that year. Startup Nation, that is Chester Santos, the international man of memory. So if you want to get this episode as soon as it goes live, go ahead and subscribe to the Startup Life podcast on any of your major podcast platforms. So that way, when that episode goes live with Chester, it'll be right there waiting for you. So in the meantime, Startup Nation, get out of here. You got a company to grow.